You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. And I covered the Green Bay Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how the Green Bay Packers, they take down the Detroit Lions 5-17 to 17, and exercise some of the demons from week one. It was not a perfect performance by any means. And I don't think we should sugarcoat the fact that it wasn't a perfect performance. Do we expect it to be perfect every single week? Probably not, and, and we probably shouldn't. But what we saw in this game was just so night and day. In week one, from an execution standpoint, in week one, offensively and then defensively in the second half, we're going to get to the defensive part of this a little bit later in the show. But offensively, we we knew the defense would probably take some time, right? And, and offensively, that was the bigger head scratcher where it was just like, what are they, what exactly are they doing, and and why, and and maybe why not. In some cases, it was just bizarre. There was nothing creative. There was nothing moving. And I said this during the game tonight. What makes Matt LaFleur so special as a play designer and then as a play caller is he does such a great job of setting up his play calls. He will show something and and maybe even burn a play because he understands that you can come back later and get to it. So the Packers score a touchdown to Aaron Jones. They're in that three-by-one set, and they motion they motion, motion Aaron Jones and run that backside tight end screen, a play they stole from the Saints and Jameis Winston and Sean Payton, a play that burned them on fourth and seven on that nice. And then... And Green Bay under that they are playing and manipulating with the Detroit Lions defense. They come out and they run a play. They know Jamie Collins is taking back field, his being the running back field, that he knows he, he doesn't have that. It's designed for, for Aaron Jones to take that jab step and then come back. And he totally fools. Those are the kinds of plays that we just weren't seeing from the Packers trading to watch because they're not giving you more. I thought it was somewhat obvious that you would want to get the ball to your best players. And the Packers did that in this game. They gave Devontae Adams the opportunity to catch a bunch of passes. And some of it was they got to stay patient. Some of it was just as easy as, and and if you if you watched the Peyton and Eli broadcast, they talked about this a bunch to start the game. The Packers were content to just run it. If you're going to play too high, 
Here's how the game started. Okay. Aaron Jones run for three yards. Aaron Jones run for six yards. Aaron Jones run for seven yards. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams for 18 yards. Rodgers on a scramble, but they get a penalty. A.J. Dillon for three yards. Penalty. Aaron Rodgers to Tunyon. Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. That was the first play. And only one of those the Aaron Jones plays, the touchdown, was a pass. They come out on the next possession, three plays minus three yards. It's three passes. Every time they committed to running the ball, and by the way, after that, they went touchdown, kneel down, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Four straight touchdown drives, really, and drives that they were trying to score, and that was the difference in the game. This is the version of the offense that we saw, and they didn't even get a great game from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Aaron Rodgers missed a, a wide-open opportunity uh, twice to MVS, had him multiple times down the down the, the sidelines and just can't get the ball to him. This offense isn't quite there. They're still working on some communication things. The offensive line is still working out the kinks a little bit. I thought John Runyon Jr. and Lucas Patrick Stead played pretty well. I think that that is going to be a competition moving forward. I don't think we should just take it as uh, just for sure that that's Lucas Patrick's job moving forward because I didn't think Lucas Patrick played well at all in week one. And I thought the offensive line held up for the most part in, in week two. Most of, of the bad pressures and at least two of the sacks were on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, his pocket awareness tonight was bizarrely bad. I mean, bizarrely bad, bad in ways that you just would not expect from someone as as capable as truly capable as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, that part of it, it is bizarre to me. I don't understand why that is happening uh, because his pocket awareness was was actually pretty good last year. Not all 2019, 2018. There was some there was some stuff. There was some stuff, but he played he played pretty well. He played pretty well. And there were some throws. I mean, sometimes it is just you, you got to see the ball go through the net like a shooter. But some of these throws were unbelievable. The throw to Devontae Adams on third and 12, when, when he let that ball go, I was just like, okay, I, okay. And guess what? Absolute dime. Afatu Melifanwu ran step for step with him, and it's the only place it could possibly be. The touchdown to Tunyon, he's got Alan Lazard open for the first down. He decides to try and fit the ball in to Big Bob, and it is an unbelievable throw. Those things are, are different than they were in week one. They didn't really have those opportunities. Rodgers was not playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of rhythm, a lot of tempo. The offense was not able to get to what it needed to get to to have any kind of success. But they played patient. They played with controlled aggression, I thought. And you go back to the Rams game. This is something we talked about during the course of the week. The Packers beat the Rams in what I think to, the, to date is Matt LaFleur's masterpiece. Because they said, we are going to commit to running the ball. And we allowed ourselves to get out of what we did in week one. And if they're going to play all this too high, then we're going to run it. The Packers ran it 
31 times. Now, 28 times Jordan Love, three kneel downs, 28 times. Now, not for huge yardage, but they committed to it. Aaron Jones, 17 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. He seemed much more productive than that. And part of that is because of what everything else allowed them to do off of that. A.J. Dillon, five carries, 18 yards. Not a huge impact, although he did have one beast mode run. Kylan Hill, two carries, eight yards. These are these are not impressive stats. 31 carries for 96, not impressive numbers. Even if you take out the Jordan Love runs, and, and honestly, you should take out the Rodgers runs too. It, it's it's Lovin and Rodgers first on seven carries. They picked up three total yards, not the best. But then you're talking about 24 carries, 93 yards. I mean, that's, that's a much better figure, um, but it's still not anything to write home about. They probably would tell you they want to run the ball better. But when you have Aaron Rodgers, who had one more incompletion than he had touchdown passes in this game, a 145.6 passer rating, didn't put the ball in harm's way, took some took some weird, ugly sacks. That's the one thing that I think he's going to look back on and say, what happened here? What What is going on there? That's the one thing that I think Rodgers needs to clean up. And I think the deep ball is going to come. He was hitting MBS on those shots last year. They're just working their way back in. That's the thing. That's the thing about this offense now is they just put up 35 like it was nothing. They made it look easy. And they can still get a lot better. They've still got two rookies in there who are trying to find their way in the world. They've got a, a running back, too, who is still searching out his role in the offense. And I think the Packers are trying to figure out what A.J. Dillon's role in this offense is as well. They did some interesting two-back stuff tonight. They did some really cool things with motion and playing with formations. And I love that three-by-one, you overload it. I love when when you go four-by-nothing, four, four four-by-zero to one side. That's when they hit the, the Tunyon screen. Those plays, that creativity, that was what was missing. And then there was the execution. Rodgers missing throws, guys not being open. Well, if everyone's going to play this two-deep safety look, then you have to understand you got to take your shots. When you get those single high coverages, you have to be able to hit those shots to MVS because then they're going to stay back in that two-deep. And then you can run the ball. You can take those shots underneath. Devontae Adams snatching dudes' ankles in this game. Uh, the, The screens to Tunyon. They have to find some other guys to get involved underneath with some run after catch ability. Amari Rodgers didn't play offensively in this game. Randall Cobb got some more run, made a couple nice plays. That's what they brought Randall Cobb here to do. And maybe maybe it took Rodgers saying, okay, he's got to get in. He's up to speed. He's got to get in there. And, and I'm sure the snaps will reflect it. Certainly the targets reflect it, at least in the, in the moments that matter. It was Rodgers' first completion to Cobb in this game. Cobb has a catch this year, but it was from, from Jordan Love. And, you know, Randall Cobb, he was the, the Packers' second leading receiver. Tunyon had three catches for 52 yards. Jones had six catches for 48 yards and three TDs. And Devontae Adams had eight for 121. The only other receivers with catches, Randall Cobb had three for 26, including in all three of his targets. And EQ got one of those little RPO uh, targets. And that was the difference. Uh, now, was that the difference in the game? No, but Aaron Jones getting more involved in the passing game, that was a huge difference. 
finding ways to get your best playmakers the ball. This was a game for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. And when you lean on those guys, you can score a bunch of points. Are the Detroit Lions world beaters? No. But what you have to do is give yourself the best opportunity that you have to win. They can get better. They can get better. This is one of those confidence games where you just go, okay, we know we can do it. Now let's go out and do this every week. I think in the second half, they just wanted to, to give uh, Corey Bohorquez, uh, who, were, who we are now officially, Michelle Bruton, the official seal of approval, calling Boho Blast. That is, that is what we're doing. Boho Blast. Uh, after after Big Bob Tunyon comes from the Locked On Packers podcast, we are now officially blessing Boho Blast. Thank you, Michelle, uh, for for your important service on this. The Packers still have some issues. Every team, you know, you you always there's the cliche, oh, we're just trying to get a little bit better every day. The Packers have things to iron out, no question about it. Now is the is the time to really build on what this offense can be because we saw the creativity. That was what made week one so frustrating. I don't think we're going to see that kind of performance again from the Green Bay Packers. Today's episode is brought to you by friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one place for all your pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and use the promo code LOCKED ON to get a 100% welcome bonus. 100%. You put money in, they will double it just for signing up. Use the promo code LOCKED ON. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. So let's talk about the defense because the defense it got off to a rough start, the defense. And part of that is they were trying some things out. Right off the bat, and shout out to Rachel Hotmayer, friend of the show, she goes out on, on Friday, I believe, and asks Matt LaFleur, are we going to see Eric Stokes more? And Matt LaFleur, very cagey, says, do I want me to give you the game plan? She says, yes, of course. He doesn't. But that was a tip. That was a tip that they were going to find a way to get Kevin King marginalized a little bit and that they were going to get Eric Stokes involved in this game defensively. It was a very rough start. He gives up. He busts two coverages in the end zone that result in touchdowns. But after that, I thought played his absolute ass off. So here's what they did. Here was the change. They said, okay, Eric Stokes, we think you are one of the best boundary corners we have. And, and to start, we think the best three corners that we have, this is the Packers speaking, are Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Kevin King. So we want to keep Jair outside we're going to put Kevin King in the slot. Now, the reason I like this is not because Kevin King can run with slot receivers. He can't. The Lions don't have one of those. They don't have the Wes Welker, Cole Beasley traditional slot type. They don't have the Randall Cobb, that shifty inside receiver. And they don't have the Tyree Kill or um, you know the, the Justin Jefferson who can take the top off vertically as well. In this defense, especially when they're playing their, their zone looks, cover three, cover four, that, that slot defender is responsible for that 
immediate space in the zone. He's not running down the field. Kevin King is at his worst in his pedal and turn. He cannot play from off coverage to turn and run with guys. He can't deal with breaks in in breakers or double moves or anything like that in front of him. But he's long. He's lanky. He plays pretty well with his eyes to the quarterback. And when he's able to do that and then can break on the ball underneath, you're not forcing him to do the thing that he's worse at. The worst at. Now, if it were me, I'm playing Stokes and Jair on the outside and Shannon Sullivan in the slot. And we're just calling it good because I just don't think Kevin King is one of the three best corners on this team. So I, I don't know. I don't know what what you're bothering with. And by the end of the game, that was that was what we started to see. And I think that's going to be the rotation moving forward. It's going to be Stokes and Jair and Chandon. I, I do think against certain teams, you're going to have the opportunity to, to mix and match a team like the Vikings. Maybe you want Jair on the slot more against Adam Thielen. Against Justin Jefferson, against a team like the Bucks, when you're going to put Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown in the slot, maybe you want Jair Alexander in those matchups. If you're going to play some man coverage toward the end of the first half, the Packers got a little more aggressive. They started bringing some pressure. They started playing some man coverage. And guess what? Kevin King made a very nice play. I'm going to criticize him when he makes bad plays, but I'm going to praise him when he makes some good ones. And he got a PBU. I made I was half joking on Twitter when I said the biggest play defensively for the Packers in this of the season was an Eric Stokes third down pass breakup. He had he had two in the game and one, the other one was on fourth down to seal the game down the field. He plays the ball. He plays the ball when it's in the air. He will go find it and contest you at the catch point. He's sticky in coverage. You want him playing man. You want him in the line of scrimmage and pressing guys. That's where he lives. So I'm okay with Kevin King in the slot in these zone looks. I don't want you to be predictable by personnel. So they they mixed and matched. They played Jair in the slot some. They played Chandon Sullivan in the slot some. I think they're going to continue to do that, not just because it makes sense, but because it it. It creates some indecision. Who's guarding where? Who's doing what? I, I, I don't know that Kevin King needs to be out there at all, but I think it's a positive step that Eric Stokes is, is, okay? The flip side of this for me is the, the mistakes that Eric Stokes made in this game are basic rookie mistakes, that is, in a way, um, a compliment. In a way, it's damning with faint praise. He has to know. I mean, this is it's quarters 101. You have to know when the outside guy goes inside, either the inside guy or someone else is coming out. That's just that you it, you have to expect that and you have to communicate it. And on the bottom of the formation, with Jair Alexander and the safeties, they communicated it. They passed off the in and out and they locked down that side of the field. Eric Stokes got caught peeking inside twice and couldn't get back. Devondre Campbell happened to, to register that Stokes was, was missing here, stayed with TJ Hawkinson, and it took a dime from Jared Goff and they get paid too. Let's credit them on that. It took a hell of a throw 
to get that back there. Why is Eric Stokes not playing in the preseason? Why? Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartbreak. Tell me why. I never want to hear you say that he didn't play in the preseason, but he didn't play in the preseason. Josh Myers, they knew they were going to need him. He played a bunch in the preseason. Royce Newman, they knew they were going to need him. He played a bunch in the preseason. These guys, these rookies that they knew were going to have to play, how do you not know Eric Stokes has to play? And either they were so confident he knew what he was doing and was going to be fine in a brand new defense, in a brand new league. Either they were so confident and they were overconfident that he was going to be fine. Or they didn't expect to have to go to this so fast. And guess what? Both of those are bad. Both of those are a problem. There was never a world in which Eric Stokes was not going to have to play real snaps this season, and a lot of them. Kevin King never in his career has been a guy who started 16 games, and in uh, multiple seasons, he's only started and even played in in eight. Okay, so he's going to get hurt. You're going to need Eric Stokes to start and play meaningful reps for you. Why is he not out there? Why is he not out there in preseason? And you can't be nervous that he's going to get hurt. Because he never got hurt in college. It was never an issue for him. He's been durable his whole career. So what what was the thought process there? Why was Eric Stokes not playing in the preseason? And I'll, I'll tell you what I think the answer is. They were afraid that he would either look too good or too bad. They wanted him to be out there. They wanted him to, to play. In, in the regular season. And th- it, that's just the only, that's the only reasonable answer to me is that they were afraid that either he would look too good and they'd have to start him and they didn't want to do that or that he would look so bad that they could never go to him even when Kevin, Kevin King struggled and Kevin King was basically getting actively benched at points in the second half. So it is amazing what some better play from your players does for a defensive coordinator. But they also ratcheted up the intensity. All of a sudden, you play with a lead. This Packers defense can rush you. If they're worrying about run and pass, it's going to be hard to get to the quarterback. Rashawn Gary, he takes run responsibility seriously. You go play action, that's going to slow them down. Rashawn Gary played much better in the second half, just started running through guys' faces. He was a big reason that, that Jared Goff had the set, had the fumble. Yes, Jared Goff dropped the ball, but Rashawn Gary planted the Lions right tackle in his lap. That was going to be a sack or a pass breakup. No matter what, that was going to be a third down stop. The Devondre Campbell interception, that's Jared Goff. The, the, the Jared Goff fumble, that's Jared Goff. The goal of this defense is to make you play perfect. To make you play perfect. You need to create some negative plays. You can't just say, okay, we're not going to give you up anything over the top. They give, they gave up one big play. Kevin King, in fairness to Kevin, a little bit of a push off. But uh, he still gave up the big play. That was really the only big play down the field they gave up. But if you're going to play death by a thousand cuts, you can't hand them the razor blade. Because 
they're going to cut you with it a bunch. You, you can't allow them to do everything moving the ball down the field. You have to be able to create some negatives. Now, the Lions created some negatives for themselves. Holding calls, going to happen. Drops, going to happen. Bad throws, going to happen. You have to take advantage of those opportunities. And when the Packers got them into second and long, they got off the field. They did not let the Lions convert third and longs. If you live there, you're going to have success. So I think they're they're trying to find um, that that balance of playing aggressive to, that is not to the detriment of what you're trying to accomplish, and that is make make teams be efficient, make them go 12, 15 play drives, but don't don't let them don't let them go 12, 15 play drives. You have to create more negatives. And so I think what they can do is balance. You're going to play, if you're going to play a bunch of two deep coverage, you can be a little bit more creative with what you're doing up front. You can bring some schemes, some five man pressures because you're not going to give up deep throws. A lot of defensive coordinators are afraid to blitz because they're going to give up big plays. Well, you can blitz and play quarters behind. Now you're going to have to, or at least two man something where you've got safety held deep. You can you can make that work depending, especially depending on your personnel. And the Packers have the defensive backs theoretically on the roster to do it. So they're they have to find that balance. There is there is talent on this defense. I don't think anyone should just give up on this defense because of one bad week. They were they were closer last week than it seemed. I think I think after rewatching it a couple of times. I hope that the rewatch of this game shows the same thing that in the first half they were, you know, here away. Um Kevin King plays that that first deep ball a little bit better. Maybe it's a little bit different. Kenny Clark, he really started to get going in the, in the end of the first half into the second half. And they started to get penetrate more. They started to get into the backfield a little bit more to force Jared Goff off his spot a little bit more. If a team is going to be perfect and beat you, you just got to tip your hat to them. And the Saints, they played pert near perfect in week one against the, the Bucs in the NFC Championship game in the first half. Tampa played about as well as you can play. And then they didn't in the second half and the offense wasn't able to figure it out. I had the quote from the leap for subscribers that it was a, a, a league source said to me, you know, your defense is only as good as your offense allows it to be. And the Packers offense did not allow the defense to play well at all. If the Packers are going to score, they're going to score 30, 35. That's fine. This defense is great for that because they're going to be able to rush the passer when they know teams have to pass. That makes it easier for every defense, of course. But you're also keeping them off the field. You're keeping them fresh. You don't have to rotate Jonathan Garvin and Chauncey Rivers in as much. This was a game where Zadarius Smith's presence was was missed. And the Packers are going to have to, to, to make some accommodations for that moving forward because we don't know when Zedarius is going to be back. They're in for it. They're in for it. Uh, because they've got they've got Kyle Shanahan coming up this week. So they get the win. Uh, they're on the board. They're back atop the NFC North. Rodgers and, and Aaron Jones are star players. This defense needs to figure it out. But they, they look like they have a player in Eric Stokes at a position where they desperately, desperately, desperately needed a player.
Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or dealership when you could go to rockauto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for some other stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. All right, we are still on YouTube. We're going to be doing this after every primetime game. Every primetime game, we're going to stream right after the game. So guess what? Another primetime game. It's all coming up Millhouse. Uh, so we're going to be doing this again very soon. If you're not a subscriber, go subscribe on YouTube. Appreciate everyone who has been here um, and enjoying the, uh, the, the, the stream here. There's some questions that I wanted to get to. If you want to be a part of our stream, come get your questions in. So there, there were some issues with MBS and Rogers connection. The first throw MVS doesn't come back to the ball and get what would have been, I think, an obvious pass interference call as evidenced by the fact that Big Bob Tunyon got that call uh, earlier or uh, later in the game. Um, and when he was trying to come back to the ball, if Rogers sees the defenders back, he's going to throw it. And that that was a play that you would you would hope MVS has been playing long enough to know that that he's got to get back for that. And no matter what, he's going to get the call. That connection is is one reason why I think there's still a lot of upside with this offense because MBS, by all accounts, had an awesome, awesome, awesome training camp. He is set to be a big part of this offense, but but they rotated Equinemius St. Brown in there. They rotated Randall Cobb in there more. They're going to find the guys that the, the, the Packers are going to get the most out of if, if they're not getting the most out of their guys. Alan Lazard... He's a, he's a non-factor in this offense right now in the passing game. He's still a terrific blocker. He still has ter- terrific uh, uh, versatility. But he's not been a factor on this team offensively. MBS hasn't, hasn't really been a factor offensively. So there's still another level for this offense to get to. They're going to get Jay Sternberger back and figure out what the, what the difference is. Um, I, I don't know that. I, I mentioned this last week, Dominique Daphne. Cyrus is asking on YouTube, did he secure his job or, or will he be cut? I don't I don't know that that he played great in this game, but I do think that 
they really, really, really want someone uh, to play that H-back role. And if it's not going to be Josiah, maybe it can be Jace. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think I think I think Jake is going to come back and, and have some sort of role. Um, his speed showed up at times last year. Is, is it going to be a game changer for the offense? No, I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. Uh, but Jake on the on the stream says, I thought the biggest development was Roger starting to trust the O-line later in the game, stepping into the pocket instead of flushing out. Yeah, his pocket awareness is still not great. And and he can say whatever he wants about um, feeling that the offensive line played well. I thought they they protected him well in this game. He the pocket movement has been bizarre. I mean, he ran into two stacks and and another pressure, I think. And it's just like, what is that? What is that? And maybe part of it is that you've got all these new guys who are not as used to Rodgers and his movement and skills in the pocket. So he's a little unsure of, okay, if I, if I roll out here, am I going to get blindsided? Am I going to, is someone coming from behind me to come get me? I mean, that, that, that could be in the back of his mind a little bit, but I mean, I, 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 Ellen Jenkins has played really well. So I don't, I don't understand that at all. And that's another thing. That's another place for this offense to clean up and get better. And I think it's something that they certainly can do uh, moving forward. I hope Josiah DeGuara can get back on the field because they clearly want to use him a lot. They want to play with a lot of big personnel. They want to spread guys out if they can and then condense down in, run, throw, whatever it is. I mean, Patrick Willis made a great point. They're running a lot of the same personnel and the same formations and they're running different plays. And that's a great way to keep defenses off balance. They, they need to have their best guys out there in order to do that. And they need to make sure that the guys that are, that are out there are in the best position to succeed. We haven't seen the gadget stuff with Amari Rodgers that Matt LaFleur promised. We haven't really seen it with Randall Cobb either. I mean, have, have they run jet and given on the jet once when the game was in the balance? I don't think so. So there's there's still plenty of of opportunities here for this offense to to move forward and and defensively. I mean, it's going to take some time to gel. New defense communication. You hope that that that's part of it, and that you hope that they hit hit on something with Stokes because he looks he looks confident. The, the sideline was stoked for him, no pun intended. Um, and I, I just think that that he has a ch- he has a chance to really come in and, and stabilize a spot on the defense that desperately needed stabilizing. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, it's already going to be the Wednesday show. Uh, Lily Zhao is going to be here. We've got crossover Thursday with the guys from, from Locked On 49ers. We're going to have a blast with that. And then uh, Friday, Friday live show. I will announce the time on the Friday live show. I have to get that. It might be, it might end up being a little earlier in the day um, and we may not have injury reports, but I still want to do that Friday live. Um, and, and hopefully my computer does not completely die in the middle of the stream again. So we'll try and figure all of that out. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And of course, subscribe to The Leap. Our Mondays are free, but the rest of the week, um, there's there's a lot going on, a lot to get to. We've got uh, a, a big Fun story coming on Wednesday that I that I cannot wait for you to see and read. Um, and, and so check out uh, everything that we have going on at The Leap. Jason Hirshhorn is your fearless leader on Tuesday this week. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, and I heard from a lot of you in the first half, you can do that 920 920- 
341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.